There in Goshen, I will provide for you. Child of God, you are in Goshen where you are protected, provided for, blessed, prosperous, healed. In the land of Goshen, not only are you near him, but also your children, your grandchildren. What else? Flocks and herds. Your stuff. Your Tesla. Your, <laughs> your Toyota. Your Mercedes. Whatever it is you have. Your Chevrolet. Your Ford pickup. Praise God. Your F-150. Your Tahoe. Your Lamborghini. Whatever it is, you'll be near me. Your children. Your grandchildren. Your stuff. How you know it includes all that? All that you have. Your refrigerator, your washing machine, your dryer, your dishwasher, your water heater are all in Goshen. Welcome to the Living by Grace podcast with Al Jennings. When you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. Listen in as he discusses the effortless life of God's grace. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the pod. Yes, Living by Grace. Praise God, a lot going on in my world. Today, I just, not too long ago, completed teaching a group of students in Rama, Haiti, Rama Bible College in Haiti, a place that I've been twice to minister to the Haitian students. In fact, the first time I went, they made me a, a honorary Haitian, so... I'm not only a black American, but I'm also Haitian. <laughs> Praise God. Um, love, love, love the Haitian people and um, look forward to going back again. But right now there's a lot of unrest in that country. In fact, when I taught the students today, it was a Zoom session and the students met in three locations. You can go to my Facebook page and see um, a screenshot of me teaching the students, and you can see that they're in different locations. There's a lot of gang craziness going on, so they're meeting in three different places. But thank God for technology. Praise God. All things were made by him and for him. And technology is one of those things. And because of technology, I can stay right here at home and still, through the Internet, minister overseas. So my assignment is to teach the subject of blood covenant. That's one of my favorite subjects. They love me to teach that over there. In fact, I am the only non-French-speaking instructor in the school. Um, they like... They like my teaching, and so they like my teaching on Blood Covenant, and it's an honor that they have me teach because when I teach, I need an interpreter, and my interpreter happened to be in New York, and she was on screen with me interpreting. It's it's really a high-tech situation. Um, it's a blessing that, that they, in a one of the poorest countries in the world, the school is blessed to have amazing technology where I can see the students, I can hear them and hear their feedback. They were able to ask me questions. I had an interpreter who was in New York City in Brooklyn, and she was interpreting. I could see 
her and hear her interpreting. So really, really uh, a cool situation. And um, yeah, and because of technology, I'm able to minister uh, to them. And uh, we had so much fun. And because I use an interpreter, I have to because I don't speak French. I learned a few years ago that most of the French-speaking world are people of color. Never knew that. Usually when I think of um, French-speaking people, I don't, I don't think of people of color. But actually, I believe 70% or more of the French-speaking world are people of color. The school that, um, another school that Rayma has, a French-speaking school, in fact, their school in the Congo, in the continent of Africa, in, in the Congo, that is the first French-speaking Rayma school in Africa. And some exciting stuff is going on over there. And we, our ministry supports, Summit Church supports the Rama School in Congo as well as Haiti. And in the Congo, the general of the Congolese army graduated from the school, I believe, in July. The last graduating class, which actually is the first graduating class. This was the in 2023, the first graduating class is the inaugural class of Rayma Congo. It just started. And the general of the Congolese army who has two, listen, 200,000 men under his command. He's a graduate of the first Rayma school in Congo. Wow, that is so awesome. Where's my applause button? I, I, don't, I don't have it. <laughs> Typically I have an applause button. I don't know where it is. But anyway, uh, let's just give God praise for that. Hallelujah. So there's a lot going on. And um, I am glad that we are, are, are supporting the Rama schools in Congo and in um, Haiti. And they're both French-speaking uh, people. And as I said, I'm the only non-French-speaking instructor. And it's really an honor for me to, to teach them because when I teach, I need an interpreter. That means the time basically gets cut in half, right? So a 50-minute class actually is only about 25 minutes of teaching, see? So it's a disadvantage from that standpoint when you don't have a French-speaking instructor. But they love my teaching so much on blood covenant, I say humbly, <laughs> because it's God working in me. It's not me. It's God that has gifted me to, uh, giving me this teaching gift. Hallelujah. And so I'm honored that I can uh, teach to this wonderful class 
group of people, and they are hungry for the word, boy, I tell you. And I'm teaching 12 hours in three days. So today was day one. I taught four hours back to back to back to back. I'm doing it again tomorrow and Saturday. And so four hours of teaching today are basically four classes of uh, four 50-minute classes this morning starting at 8 o'clock. And now I'm with you, so let's get into the podcast today. Praise God. I'm going to take off after this and relax, go play some pickleball. <laughs> so, all right, let's jump into Genesis chapter 45 and verse 1. I want to help you dealing with persecution. Have you ever been mistreated? All of us have. Sometimes people come against you and you sometimes don't even know the people. And they have no reason sometimes to to come against you. And they just, for no reason, just decide that they're going to treat you, mistreat you, or be mean to you, or do dirty, nasty, underhanded things to you. We've all had that happen. The Bible says in First Corinthians 10, 13, there's is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Here's the good news. God is faithful. Some people misunderstand that or misinterpret that, and they say, yes, God won't put anything any more on you than what you can bear. That's not what that says. God's not putting persecution on you. Persecution comes from the enemy. It comes from the devil. It doesn't say God is not putting any more on you than what you can bear. What it's saying is that no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, persecution is common to man. It's something that everybody deals with. Your adversary, the devil, goes about throughout the earth like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Okay? It's the thief. It's the enemy who comes against you to steal, kill, and destroy. But the good news is we have victory over him. Jesus says in Luke 10, 10, 19, I give unto you authority to walk on serpents and scorpions and and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Back to 1 Corinthians, it says that God is faithful. Temptations are common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able. Interpretation is he will not allow the devil to put any temptation on you that you can't handle. So that's good news because it's common to man. He will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able or that you don't have the ability 
to withstand. So if you're persecuted, know that you have the ability to get through it. It's not going to take you out. Okay. The key in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. All right. He'll not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation, watch this, will make a way of escape. So you, you see, if this was God putting the temptations, and that's what it's talking about here, temptations, trial, and test, temptation. It means temptation, trial, or test. If God was putting the temptation, trial, and test on you, and then on the other hand, making a way of escape, that would be like he's playing games with us, like he's toying with us. God doesn't toy with us. He doesn't put a temptation on you and then, like, put you in a maze and see if you can find your way out. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. No, no. The devil brings the temptation. God brings the way of escape. God is, is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with the temptation make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You can get through it. So to those who are being persecuted, be encouraged. You're going to get through it. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Hallelujah. Genesis Chapter 45, verse 1. We're going to deal with Joseph. Now, Joseph, this is an interesting story. If, if you look into his, his journey, he was sold by his brothers. Well, let, let me back up. He was eventually, excuse me, sold into slavery. But his brothers threw him into a pit and left him to die. His own brothers, his own family, his peoples, <laughs> right? And he didn't do anything to them to get this mistreatment. They hated him, hated his brother. His brothers hated him, rather. So he was thrown into a pit. Eventually, he was sold into slavery. He was a slave in Potiphar's house. All right. And then while in Potiphar's house, he was accused of attempted rape. All right. It, it was uh, Potiphar's wife who accused him. And he was thrown into prison. Unjustly, everything, all these different things that happened to him were no fault of his own. It's just people were messing with him. People were persecuting him. Now, he could have gotten bitter. He could have been bitter. But he kept the right attitude. We can learn from this. Joseph rose to the top level. He rose as high as he could rise wherever he was. So when he was a slave in Potiphar's house, 
Potiphar ended up putting him over everything in his house. He put Joseph in charge of everything in his house, even though he was a slave. Joseph operated in excellence. He was good at what he did. And he couldn't have been so good at what he did if he would have pouted and got bitter and whining and crying and complaining about, well, you know, I don't know why this is happening to me. I don't know why my brothers did me wrong. If I get a chance to pay him back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay him back. He didn't have that attitude. He operated in excellence. How do I know that? How then would he have gotten promoted if he didn't operate in excellence? Okay? So he ended up running Potiphar's house. Then Potiphar's wife accuses him of rape. And he gets thrown into prison. But what happened in prison? He interpreted a couple of dreams and word got to Pharaoh. And bef But before that, he's running the prison because the jailer put him in charge of all the prisoners. And in the process of time, he interprets, interprets these two dreams of the baker and the butler. And, and so it gets to the attention of Pharaoh because Pharaoh had these dreams, right? Pharaoh had uh, some troubling dreams and none of his astrologers or uh, magicians could interpret those dreams. And he heard about Joseph and how he could interpret dreams it was a, an ability that God had given him. And so Pharaoh called for Joseph. Long story short, Joseph interpreted those dreams that Pharaoh had accurately. And then Joseph, like he did in Potiphar's house, like he did in the jail, rose to the top. And he was... Um, the prime minister of Egypt. Pharaoh appointed him as his top man. Nobody had more power in Egypt than Joseph other than Pharaoh. All right. Now here's what I want you to see. We're going to pick this up in verse 1. Now we're going to see what happened when Joseph was reunited with his brothers. They were reunited. We're going to see what happened, what kind of attitude Joseph had. Did he have revenge on his mind? Was he going to kill his brothers? Was he going to pay them back? No, Joseph was a different kind of guy. Amazing character. and We can learn from him. Let's pick up in verse 1. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. So his brothers are before him, and he couldn't even control himself. He couldn't handle it. Not because of hate 
but because of the love that he had for them. And he sent everybody outside. He cried and said, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Verse 2, and he wept aloud. I'm in Genesis 45. Just read verse 1, now verse 2. And he wept aloud. I mean, he cried, he bawled. <laughs> so much so that the Egyptians heard it. So the he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. He must have cried really loud. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? Now the brothers were there because they came to get food because there was a famine in the land and their brothers and their fathers or his father rather and his brothers lived in Canaan. And so they came to get food. Now his brothers and his father thought he was dead, thought Joseph was dead. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. He reveals himself to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Check this out. Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. <laughs> As you can imagine, they're probably reluctant to come near. Like, what's he going to do, kill us? After all this we did to him. See, all that stuff that happened to him, you can trace it back. Him being thrown in jail, being accused of attempted rape, him being sold into slavery. All that can be traced back to what his brothers did to him. Okay. Now, he said, come near. He said, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. And now I'm fixing to pay you back. Guards, servants, come in here, in here and throw these no good rascals in jail. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he said, I'm your brother Joseph, who you sold into Egypt. I'm talking about how to handle persecution. Watch this. And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve your life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So here's what I wanted you to see. Verse 8. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. That's a powerful statement. He said, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Think about that. Think about that. Let me give you 
an example. Let's say you're on a job and somebody decides to mistreat you. Your supervisor, your boss, decides they don't like you. And no matter what you do, no matter how, no matter how well you perform, no matter how good you do your job, you do everything you're told to do and you do extra, there's nothing you can do to please this boss. Let's say his name is George. And George says, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of him. I'm, I'm going to fire you. And let's say they, they fire you. Okay? And now you look for another job and you get a, a job that pays you triple of what you made under George in your former job. Got it? Okay. Now, in your former employment or your former inf in employer, George gets fired from your former employer. They get rid of him. Okay? And he goes looking for a job. Meanwhile, you, on your new job, you get promoted two or three times and get more money than you started with. And George is looking for a job, and he comes to your company looking for a job. He doesn't know you work there. And you interview George. George sets up an interview. He walks in for his interview. He goes into a room, and you walk in. Imagine the look on George's face. He's probably thinking, oh, I ain't getting this job now. He's about to fall off of his chair because he sees you. And he's thinking, well, I might as well leave right now. The way I mistreated this guy, there's no way he's going to hire me. He's going to tell me to get lost. I ask you, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you see George? See, that's the kind of situation that Joseph was in. And see, if it's Joseph facing George, Joseph would say, it's not you. It, it, it wasn't you to put me here. See, because if it, if it wasn't for George, you wouldn't be in the position you're in with more money. It took George to fire you for you to get where God wanted you to be. See, when you understand what I'm talking about, you won't be bothered by the trials and tests and temptations. Nobody likes temptation. Okay, I'm not asking you to love it, but you begin to appreciate when you are going through temptation because it could be God promoting you through that situation. And God will use persecution as stepping stones to get you to a higher place. 
and you come out of the test, when you depend on Jesus, it's all about trusting Jesus and casting your cares upon the Lord, trusting him with your life. When you do that, then you will come out. God will make the way of escape and you'll get through that temptation and you'll come out stronger than you were before. All right. And then when you, you, you see somebody like George who did some, something to you, you'll end up thanking him. You know, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't you. When, 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 when you fired me, that wasn't you. I know you fired me, but it was all in God's plan so that I can be promoted. So it's because of God that I got fired. That sounds crazy, but God has something better for you. So keep the right attitude when you're persecuted. And understand that you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. See, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Understand that. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. God's just using people like George. So get your eyes off of them. Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. That's what the Bible says to do. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Got it? We're almost done here. It was not you who sent me here, but God. Look at verse 9. Hurry up. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. Here's something else. Praise God. They're going to live in a special place. Okay. In the land of Egypt, they're going to they're going to dwell in Goshen. He said, "And you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children and your flocks and your herds and all that you have." You'll you'll be near me, you, your children, your flocks, your herds, and all that you have, there I will provide for you. For there are yet five years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. He's going to provide for them in a special place called Goshen. Now, recently, Tesla cars were in the news. Now, I happen to to drive a Tesla. And there were all these news reports about that actually happened, that Teslas were not charging at charging stations, the batteries went dead, they were sitting there with no charge and couldn't go anywhere. People were stranded in their cars and so forth and so on. And at the same time, during this same time, 
I'm taking a long road trip with my wife, Carla. We're coming back from, back from Naples, Florida. And on the way back, we went through several states to get back to Indiana. We had to go to several charging stations. We went through Cleveland, Tennessee at 4 a.m. where the roads were slick. And um, it was bad weather. But, but God protected us. And we didn't have any issues that they were talking about at charging stations with the charging stations, not charging the cars, not charging the Teslas. We had zero incidents. We had nothing but success on the way back. God favored us and prospered us. We had none of those issues that those other Teslas were having. Do you know, do you know why? Because we live in Goshen, hallelujah. We live in Goshen. You should dwell in the land of Goshen and you will be near me. There, there, hallelujah. There in Goshen I will provide for you. Child of God, you are in Goshen where you are protected, provided for, blessed, prosperous, healed, and see, in the land of Goshen, not only are you near him, but also your children, your grandchildren. What else? Flocks and herds. Your stuff. Your Tesla. Your, <laughs> your Toyota. Your Mercedes. Whatever it is you have. Your Chevrolet. Your Ford pickup. Praise God. God, your F-150, your Tahoe, huh? your Lamborghini, whatever it is. Hallelujah. You'll be near me, your children, your grandchildren, your stuff. How do you know that? How do you know it includes all that? All that you have, your refrigerator, your washing machine, your dryer, your dishwasher, hallelujah, your water heater, praise God, are all in Goshen. Hallelujah. And that's all I got for you today. <laughs> praise God, I preach myself happy today. All right, everybody, have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining, and I am out. Thank you for joining us today for the Living by Grace podcast. You are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved, totally righteous, and destined to win because of Jesus. Have an amazing day.